Blog Talk Radio. Classify. I'm and like, goosebumps. 
my husband didn't like the ending, but I was okay with it. So, but otherwise, we loved the movie. But he he was really not good with the way they did things in the end. But you know, that's your opinion. So you know. Well. I'm really excited that you saw both those films. Films have been trying to get myself in in the theaters. Still haven't been able to. Oh, my God. But, like, we'll, we'll talk about those more later, too. But we got to move on because we have a lot to talk about Queenie tonight. As you know, we actually lucked out again, and the, the, the podcast gods are looking over us. And so I need to bring on Ooh. my sex, second sexy witch co-host this is she resides in clifton forge virginia and a regular east coast horror con circuit she's often my partner in crime she is a self-professed horror fan but she also loves super duper marvel universe and she's all excited for infinity wars and things like that and comics as well too but please welcome to the show the sexy porn witch from roanoke virginia area erin marie Hello. <laughs> Hello, Erin. <clears throat> so we obviously know you have a lot to report, but before you report everything, I was wondering if you had anything else you want to report, any films you saw or anything you want to talk about before we move on to our first subject of the night. Just call me Angel of the Morning Angel. Oh, God, Deadpool was so good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, I'm right there with you. Deadpool was amazing. God's perfect idiot. That was the truth. <laughs> He's a divine idiot. Uh, I think my favorite part has to be when they mention Professor Xavier, and he's just like, ah, oh, McAvoy <laughs> or her story, because I can't keep up. Oh, it's like, so oh, my God. Yes. Okay. So I saw Deadpool. I've also seen several horrors on Netflix. I've been watching uh, a lot of independent horrors on there, like Circle um, and a few things. But other than that, just me and Netflix have been really good buddies. Well, that's great to hear. Uh, so we're getting some movies in. Uh, I've been super busy, uh, and uh, I'll talk about some of that during the community calendar, maybe, because I don't want to feel like tooting my own horn right now, because this is not about me. This is about you, Erin Marie. Erin Marie, we were blessed by the podcast gods, were we not? So, yes, we again, Yes, oh. yes, we were. And uh, we got an uh, email. With, uh, I wrote to them months ago. Weeks ago, I think Aaron wrote I did too, too and, yes. and we didn't hear a, a word. And all of a sudden, less than three weeks ago, we get an email. Congratulations and welcome. You have press passes to Mysticon, Roanoke, Virginia, which has been sold out for months, by the way. Uh, and so we're all like, woohoo. So Aaron Marie <laughs> got to go to Mysticon 2016. And uh, the headliner mm-hmm. was George R.R. Martin. That's right. So, Queenie, we're going to have you go ahead and give a brief report. And just as that's happening, I'm going to bring on a person to continue the discussion of this with us, a vendor that was there, a filmmaker, who I also met at Days of the Dead, Christopher G. Moore. He's on hold, and he'll be coming in in just a few minutes. So the floor is yours, yeah. Madame. Sexy witch Erin Marie, go for it. Tell us about your experience <laughs> in Mysticon. Oh, uh-huh. 
Well, I, as a, a mom and a disabled person, my my uh, time was limited that weekend, unfortunately. So I didn't get to do as much as I wanted to, but um, it made me feel so official to be recognized. When I went there on Saturday morning, I got up really early because I had um, I had stayed in Clifton Forge area long enough to do Lydia's hair and makeup and stuff for a dance that she went to Friday evening. And I tried to book it to Mysticon on Friday evening so that I could catch the Q&A for George R. R. Martin then, but I didn't get a chance to. So uh, I went really early Saturday, and I caught the reading they did of two chapters from Winds of War, or Winds of Winter. I did And how Which was that? that was, I was really excited that you got into that, because that was, of all the things on that list, was, like, really, really exciting to me. So how was that, doing yeah. that, Go listening to him talk, read his own book? That was fun. I mean, he has a lot of personality, and it's about characters that I don't, I, I know not. Unfortunately, you're the book reader when it comes to Game of Thrones universe. I'm, yeah, I'm just the happy-go-lucky uh, television watcher. But I love the characters in the universe that he creates. So getting to hear the 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 perspective of a different character that I don't know about coming and the, uh, the world of Westeros from his mouth is awesome. Um, it was from one of Prince Oberon's Prince Oberon's daughters. <clears throat> so it was really nice. Other than that, I I went around, looked at a lot of the vendors' tables. I was fascinated by some of the art. Um and there was this one this one really amazing little place. It was the Elven Caravan that had a lot of things that would have been it fit right in in the horror crowd and the sci-fi crowd it, it would have gone great at uh, a renaissance fair just I loved that booth well that's Mysticon it's a little different than your normal con in sense. it's a, it really is a well-rounded con there's a little bit of uh, science fiction there's a little a bit of everything uh, yeah. and there's even a bit of horror and so I'm going to bring in our guest host to continue this conversation because he actually represented the horror at the film festival. There's a very nice independent film festival that runs simultaneous with Mysticon, and this would be Christopher G. Moore, and he is of Cinema Fuel Productions, and his big hit film on the horror con circuit is called Knob Goblins, which is hysterical, by the way. It played 7 p.m. at Mysticon on, I think, Saturday night. So, Christopher G. Moore, you're on with the Sexy Witches. How are you doing? Hey, doing great. How are you Hello. guys doing? Glad, glad to be on here. It's, uh, I'm sorry yeah, I didn't I, get to meet you. Oh, that's okay. That's okay. I know, I know it's uh, <laughs> a lot of times conventions for a lot of people. It gets kind of crazy if you have a specific schedule you have to to go for. So I know for me, I was always on the run, it seemed like. I, I was even surprised I caught you at the end. So Sunday was like that last round on Sunday, Days of the Dead. I met all the filmmakers because none of them were at their tables <laughs> the week before, the day before. So, um, so welcome. Uh, she was just talking about the reading with George R. R. Martin. Were you able to attend any of the readings or signings yourself? No, actually, I didn't. Uh, and I, I, I passed him. I passed him in the hall a few times. I heard his little his little cackle laugh that he does. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, but but the cool thing was on Sunday, uh, uh, I was there for the um, the closing ceremonies, and actually my film Knob Goblins won honorable mention for horror, and uh, I got to receive my award in front of uh, George R. R. Martin. So I thought thought that was kind of cool. Well, congratulations for the what win. What time did they do that? Uh, it was like around 3 p.m. on Sunday. Uh, I left at like 1.30. I couldn't stay. My back was freaking killing me. And I talked to um, R.S. Belcher. I don't know if you got to meet him or not. I don't think I met him. He was one of the authors. Hmm. But, yeah, um, I didn't get to meet him. What, uh, my best friend who passed away a few years ago, her name was Tori. She was dating him, and to see him succeed like that, I had stopped and talked to him right before I left to say how proud that she would have been of him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it was so, it was a really cool weekend. Um, I had a lot of fun. Um, I got to be on several panels. We did one, um, I think my favorite was called The Renaissance of Horror at, uh, on television. We talked about a lot of the uh, the renaissance of how horror has sort of you know become really really cool lately with a lot of different shows. Um, we did one on uh, uh, seen and unseen in horror films. You know, you know when is it best to, to show stuff and when is it not best to show stuff? Uh, we did, I was on That's one about crowdsourcing. Yeah, uh, and I was one on crowdsourcing, and then I was also one on um, a force. Uh, Force Awakens panel because I'm a huge Star Wars fan. So, <laughs> um, well, we, we talked about seeing unseen together at, at Days of the Dead because I was talking about how I love how you actually show Nobby in your film. You yeah. actually do reveal mm-hmm. him at the end and well and well lit. And I was really appreciative of that because as a horror geek and especially a monster movie geek, I always get annoyed when they hide their monster throughout the entire film. You know, it's a strategic thing. You hold it back and, you know, you don't want to blow your wad, but you eventually got to show it. You got to show it. You got to do a money shot. Mm-hmm. You got to see Nobby, right? <laughs> so, yeah, well, especially I, I if think you spend all that time making like the the creature you know i mean why don't you show it off i mean i'm sure people would be really pissed if they you know when they saw aliens the first alien film if you didn't show the alien at the very end that's true but sometimes what you don't see or or seeing just out of focus in a corner somewhere and and that's all you see can be just as effective and scary it just depends on the context oh yeah it depends depends on on what you're doing Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, because right. stuff like, you know, Dead Alive, you know, you're just going to show everything. Um, oh, yeah. But then other things <laughs> like, you know, It Follows or something, you just want to have sort of a hint of stuff. Um, and there then was there's a movie. Or Independent Hills. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Now, now, I was going to say, From the Dark. The um, I did want to mention, uh, they, had a, they had a great turnout for the film festival that weekend, especially the block of films that happened uh, that night. Uh, Sean Walton, who, who ran the festival, she did a really, she does a really wonderful job every year. And we had back, basically at one point we had standing room only in one of the uh, screenings, but because um, really? we had our, uh, our screening. Um, and actually I had one of the best reactions of any audience at uh, Mysticon or the independent film festival for Knob Goblins. And I actually recorded it on mm-hmm. video and I'm actually going to, I'm going to put it in my, my new teaser trailer. I'm going to actually use the audio from that. Um, but they uh, I, I, actually, some filmmakers you guys probably want to, should know about um, 
there's a, a filmmaker named Christine Parker. She started a film, a, um, her own production company called Sick Chick Flicks, where uh, about everybody on crew is all female. And nice. uh, she premiered uh, Tell uh, Tell Heart Sisters, which is her version of the uh, Edgar Allan Poe story, but told with two women. I saw the posters uh, for that up. I really was interested in seeing that one, as well as um, something about light. Oh, yeah, Don't Let the Light In. That was based by J- J- Jason Buterin. Um, yeah. His is, uh, was really cool. That that had a really good showing. Also, there was two filmmakers, two female fil- filmmakers named um, Angela Mariah Pritchett. Johnson, Angela Mariah Johnson, Angela Pritchett had, for Thicket. Yeah, they had the Thicket, which, uh, really, which actually ended up winning Best Horror. And they did a great job with that. I'm so proud so, yeah, of them. Was, yeah, it was a great, great, great block of uh, shorts, and I got to I got to see all of them, um, and uh, and a lot of those people are my friends. So uh, actually, Angela Bridget and Mariah Johnson, they actually worked on my film um, Disengaged. They did all the uh, the creature effects for that, so or the the zombie effects. Angela did my I, makeup Plan Nine, and Plan yeah, Nine yeah. comes out. This month, <laughs> for yeah, it's already, actually, already out on video on demand. <laughs> That's oh my god, that is so right. Plan Nine's out. I, I am so excited for you, Erin. Oh, yes. and you worked on it too. So, so the makeup artist for for Disengaged happened to be the makeup artist for Plan Nine. It's the same person. Yeah, and actually, yes. Angela Pritchett, she actually did the the um, effects for my film Foodie as well. Oh, um, so cool. yeah. No, yeah, they're so really I've good. With them before. I mean, oh, you should wonderful. you should see some of their makeup effects in Plan Nine. They're fantastic. I got to watch uh, some of the like the exploding head pieces that they had with like large implements hanging out of them and stuff. They're just really good. Really good makeup. Yeah, they were amazing because well, Disengage. We only had one day to do all the effects, and they did effects like on ten different people um, in one day. So. Yeah, they're 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 amazing with the the effects artistry, and they're and they're amazing filmmakers as well. Well, I was about to bring a caller on, believe it or not, while you guys were talking, and he went away. So, listener, if you dropped the call, I do apologize. I was trying to get you on, so call back if you wish. Those sexy witches are always looking forward to a call. But please continue your conversation. Didn't need to interrupt here. But, Aaron, I actually do want to, since I, since I stopped the conversation dead here, uh, let me talk a little bit more about the book part of this. This con is really literature-centric. I mean, there's this huge it film is. festival on the side, but there's also a lot of, there's a, this is a really literature-centric convention compared to like Days of the Dead which is pretty much all media but especially heavily influenced for film which is like I mean I can't believe how many films I saw that weekend and got the panels in too uh, so, Scares that uh, Cares is going the same route it's it's very literature centric as well and I like that aspect of it I love that, that they push reading because it inspires um, but, you know, that's what I was saying, R.S. Belcher. Um, Barnes & Noble actually had a little corner set up where they were selling George R. R. Martin and, and some of R.S. Belcher's, um, the brand new novel that he has coming out. And there was, yeah, a whole bunch of authors. A whole bunch of authors. Uh, and so, um, so, Chris, how did you, uh, were you there as a vendor as well? 
No, I I debated about it. Um, they, their vendor uh, table sold out pretty quickly once George R. R. Martin was announced. So uh, uh, yeah, I believe yeah. that. So did tickets. <laughs> We'll just put it that way, too. So, or I'd have gone with Aaron. So, uh, but um, anyway, it's all good. Uh, but uh, so how, it sounds like, obviously, honorable mention, Knob Goblins got received really well. Uh, and your panels you were mentioning, uh, uh, so what was the one moment in the con this year that, well, how does it compare to, like, let's say the, the down and dirty Southern Fried Con of Days of the Dead? I know they are very different vibes, but you've been to both. So and can you give me a, like, how, does it cross over? Or is there a lot of overlap? Are they completely different audiences? How, I mean, do they, do they, how, and you say, that, well, I mean, obviously, Knob Goblins was just well received at both conventions, but were there a different reaction? Uh, from that crowd uh, versus the hardcore horror crowd? I mean, it's a little bit. Of, I mean, yeah, it's, there's not as. I mean, there's a few diehard people that come in and stuff, and and um, but yeah, it is a different type of thing um, compared to other, you know, c- conventions that are primarily horror because it's more sort of a, a mixture of that. Um, so there was a few panels that would would have a small audience, and there was a few panels that had a little bit more. So yeah, I, I think that um, I think it is different in that respect. But still, there was people that came in that were really into it. And there's actually people that uh, I, I've this is the second time I've been to Mysticon because last year my film Disengaged actually won Best in Show there, um, and so there was already people that were you know that came out this time that they can't they saw my film last time so. There are some people that are sort of diehard in regards to, you know, the independent filmmakers. Well, that's fabulous. I'm so glad you guys had a, a pretty good con. I, I'm always looking, especially the smaller cons like Mysticon, you know. Mm-hmm. And it, it's nice to hear how well it went. And to have such a huge headliner. And and how was the organization, the con itself? Erin, uh, um, I'll throw this one out to you. What? How is the queuing and the uh, line management, as you know, on this show, all that really matters to us because we cover fan conventions, and I do think queuing is a major part of doing a convention, and having comfortable queues is very important to me. So, um, so what can you tell about the management itself? Uh, management itself, you know, it's a smaller convention, so there's really not that, you know, much in the way of crowd that's too hard. Um, the line was insane for George R. R. Martin. This this like horseshoe shape to the um, to the downstairs area of the hotel, and they put him in one of the front conference rooms, like a glass room, and then wound the <laughs> wound the the um, line all the way around back by the rooms, and and just literally it the line at one point was back in front of the theater or where they had the the film festival set up. And as Chris can tell you, that that was a, a long distance. But you said it moved. <laughs> oh, yeah, it moved very quickly because he was he was signing. And um, and it, that's basically it. They went through the line and they said, turn it to the title page, that's where his name is, that's where he'll sign. Um, one item, one item per person but you know he was signing for free he didn't 
need the money, I guess, and that's what I found fascinating. It was just like I was t- I was scared going because I'm so used to going to the these conventions where people are charging more and more money just because they think they're worth more and more. And then you go to someone like George R. R. Martin, who he told us during one of the Q&A panels, he's been going to conventions since 1971, and that was as a sci-fi fan. Well, he, you know, he is an original member of Worldcon, which Worldcon exactly. is the original fan convention, which, by the way, is going to be here in D.C. in 2017. So you better believe we are going to cover it on this show, because no matter press pass or not, my ass is there for the Chelsea Awards, which is the Art Awards. They do two awards. They do the Hugos and they do the Chelsea's. And the Chelsea's are the art is a science fiction artist awards. And I just love that stuff. So really excited. And Martin's the headliner there too. So uh, yes. So, and uh, um, I already I already made sure that he has our business card. His assistant will be receiving yeah. it. And the way booking for him goes is he decides three or four weeks in advance of the programming whether he has time for it or not. And, you know, he likes doing small fan things, you know. So we actually may have a shot. Who knows? Well, I know he does small fan things. And and we also, and I'm hoping to ride the coattails of his love for this movie theater in Santa Fe, which I used to go to. I actually saw The Tao of Steve in that theater, um. Uh, oh, hold on! I got a message from my next guest. I'm sorry, I got distracted. But uh, I, 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 I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try to get him on the show. I, I've decided that I'm gonna try. I'm gonna also talk to him at Balt. I'm well, I, go ahead I, and maybe I put the feeler out there, Balt. and I did it. <laughs> I told him we wanted him for World Camp 2017. And I want to tag him again at Balticon, which is coming up here in, in the D.C. area, Baltimore Comic Con. Uh, and Aaron and Queenie can tell you, I was totally turned down flat for press passes, like straight to circular yep. file. Sorry, folks, you are not getting passes. All right, that's cool, that's cool. You know, but I still might go because I, I want to go see Martin, and I want to tag him again. Hey, you met Aaron Marie, and I am the co-host, and we want you on our show for World Con 2017. So season three, George R. R. Martin, be there. Anyway, okay. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, but, uh, the line was moving so quickly since he was just signing real fast that when I went through it, all I had time to say to him was, this must be what a candle, a cattle brander feels like, right? And he was like, yeah, that's true. You know, it is. <laughs> Because I just felt like cattle. It's just like, hey, I'm just being stamped. Well, Erin Marie took a bunch of photos, and I have them, and I'm going to post them on the Sexy Witches page, or she can go ahead and do that as well. And you guys can look at some of the things she talked about. And she took a bunch of pictures of the vendors' work, especially the ears, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, pictures of George These little metal bugs, which I loved. Yeah, and so uh, they can so go after the show at some point in the next day or so. Look for those pay- pictures. Uh, Chris, do you have anything else you would like to talk about? Do you have any upcoming projects I should know about? Um, well, I mean, I, I have a couple of um, I do have a couple of screenings coming up. Um, actually, 
in a couple of weeks, I'll be, uh, Knob Goblins will actually be screening twice at the Cape Fear Independent Film Festival in Wilmington, North Carolina. Nice. Um, and, then also, and then we've also, um, we're also going to be screening at Crimson Screen Horror Film Festival in Charleston, South Carolina in May. Um, and right now I'm currently working on, um, currently working on actually a haunted house script with a friend of mine that I'm hoping to do as a feature. Um, but, but I may in the pro because I know it's going to take a little bit longer to do that. I do have a, um, a short, uh, film screenplay that I'm working on with my friend, Eric, who wrote, um, disengaged and foodie. And so I may try to turn out another short film because I like to be, I always like to have a new film in the pipeline, you know, but at the same time, I definitely want to move towards making a my first feature, hopefully, in the next year. Well, you well, no matter what you do, sir, uh, make sure you keep us in the loop about your screening schedule so I can make sure I can continue to post it. Um, if the people also want to go to the Sexy Witches event pages, I often post the fan conventions and stuff we talk about on the show there so people can look at their websites. Uh, so please keep us in the loop. I'm, but before you go, though, I'm going to go ahead and take that caller that waited and disappeared. So hold on. I've got, oh, my God, I've got a second caller. There are two callers on the line, so let's bring one on. Hello, you're on with the Sexy Witches. How may I help you? Hello? Hello? See? Hello? You know, you got to call in. You have to actually be on the line, sir. Testies, testies, one, two. All right, well, I'm going to... I'm going to drop them and go to the next caller. So we got two callers on the line. So, um, and I'll hope they call. They can call back. Oh, they left too. So everyone's gone. That was exciting. <laughs> they Welcome ran away. Black Radio. <laughs> oh my god. We scared god. them. I don't know. I hit play and you know there was nobody there. And I was calling. And I could hear and there's just nobody there. We're intimidating. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, Chris. G. Moore, thank you for being on the show. And please go to cinemafuelproductions.com. I believe that is correct. Is that right? Yeah, and you can, you uh, can also uh, follow our film, A Knob Goblins Film, on Facebook. And you can usually follow me on my social media accounts that underlie I Like Films, which would include Twitter, Instagram, Vine, Snapchat, all, all those as I Like Films. Ah. All right, hold on just a second. All right, let's see if this happens. You're on with the sexy witches caller. How may I help you? Now, which one of us is on? Uh, hey, how you doing? Four hundred four area witches. code. Who's, yeah, who that's me. Uh-huh. Who's, how you doing? This is Dave Austin. I'm calling in on request. Oh, the man, hello, the myth, the legend. Dave. I'm here. All right, Dave Austin. Hold on just oh, yeah. a moment, sir. We'll get back to you in a minute. So, hola, sir. And it looks like we have two other callers, including my guest host, Chris Moore. Please, this is a very wild and wooly show. You can call in any time. If you have any major news and want to plug it and get it out there, please call us back. I love to have talking with you at Days of the Dead. And thank you for coming on the show and talking about Mr. Khan and, and your own movies. Thank you so no problem, much. No anytime. Thank you. Anyhow, uh, so please, that was a lot of fun, and we are going to now, you're welcome to stay on. We're about to switch topics because, of course, this is a big movie weekend, and we are mostly a movie uh, podcast, so we are going to talk at Oscar. So you're welcome to stay on or listen to the show and comment, or you're welcome to 
you know, come back and call another time. It's up to you. So thank you again, sir. And I'm going to bring on my next guest here in just a minute. So uh, good night and good days. luck. All right. Um, Take care. Yeah. All right. Take care. All right. So thank you again to Christopher G. Moore. That was a wonderful call, and I'm so glad he came in and talked about Mysticon. And I'm going to bring in our next guest. But first things first, uh, our next guest oh, in the 727 area code, and we have so much going on. <laughs> so here we go. First of all, I want to bring in my guest host for this evening, and I want to say he is one of my favorite people on the web. He is one of the first people I met. Uh, he had one of the first podcasts of our group with Movie Geeks United, which is now the number one movie podcast on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, he can also listen to him on other people's shows as well as the projection booth. He was just the guest host on that show, which is one of my favorite podcasts, and it sent Movie Geeks United's hit through a record roof the other day. So congratulations on that. So please Welcome to my show, my sexy where, where, warlock of Florida, from Lakeland, Florida, Jamie Duval. How you doing, sweetie? Hey, thank you for that great introduction. I feel so good now. Oh. Thank you. Oh, well, thank you for calling in. We just talked to Christopher G. Moore and Knob Goblins. Please look, oh. look that short up. It's awesome. And, Her introductions uh, and, are entertaining. Yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> yes, I'm, they are. Uh, well, I do what I can, you know. Uh, so we have a, a David Austin on the line as well, who really wanted to call in for this segment. He's a super fan of ours, guy. Queenie, Aaron, we have fans. Yes. You know that? We have fans. We absolutely have fans. We have fans. And, and oh, the yeah. fans met me. I know. And, and they actually met one at Days of the Day, saying? which was, like, amazing because, you know, I didn't expect to actually real. have listeners. Yeah, so we, we are known. <laughs> at least to six people in the world. Uh, so I brought him on. So that's Dave Austin, who's on the line I can't even right get my now. family to listen. I right? we have. Yeah, I know. So David Austin, welcome to the Sexy Witches. And he brought on one other person. And I brought him on. I just brought him on now. Hello, sir. 727 area code. You're on with the Sexy Witches. Hi, my name is John Miller, and I was uh, bribed into calling in by David Austin. You don't have yeah, to be bribed to come on my show. I mean, you he know, sent, you don't he have sent me a picture of his penis and told me to call in. Well, welcome. Uh, Thank uh, you for calling well, in. Uh, well, it's nice to get you to talk to three women. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, if you got to know, John Miller is the future, once a future king of the underground. His movies are going to blow your fucking mind. Oh, okay. Like, this guy rules. Like, imagine, like, John Waters working on, like, a, you know, sort of like a white trash Florida hip-hop level, and you've got John Miller's movies. <laughs> like, this this guy's a genius. Um, he's fucking straight up. He's cool. And his movies rule. And so, I mean, that's pretty ah. much all you need to know. Yeah, but can he talk Oscar with us? Dave is David's my uh, my wingman. When I go to the bar, he like hypes up pitch for me. Well, it works. Thank you guys for the super fans for calling in. I want to hold your thoughts just for a minute. I want to talk to Jamie, and then this is a little bit more people than I can usually handle in a round robin. Even though I am pretty good at managing my voices, but. 
We're going to have to, we're going to, so if I get lost in this, please excuse me. But so I want to bring in Jamie and Mint, then we're just going to jump right into this Oscar talk. So, Jamie, how is Moody yes. United doing? I heard Projection Booth sent your numbers through the roof. Please tell me about that. <laughs> uh, I don't know if it was Projection Booth that did it, but uh, I mean, we, we've been around for about eight years. We have just under six million uh, subscribers. and uh, Oh, wow. And I, I, did, I did do an episode of Projection Booth uh, a couple of months ago. I, I love those guys, and, and you know, I, I brag about their show all the time because I think that they are the best at what they do. I mean, they delve deep into one movie every week and uh it's pretty exhaustive stuff it's great one of my favorite episodes of any podcast period doesn't matter whose it is is the projection booth episode the airplane reunion awesome awesome episode <laughs> please look it up read it everyone you want to talk about this movie and they talk about some great stuff it was like it's better than any panel I had heard in forever, so I highly recommend that episode, so the airplane episode, um, the anniversary. I think it's a couple years old now, but uh, Jamie, we're going to talk Oscars yes. tonight. We have we have super fans on. We have Dave Austin, who I met at Days of the Dead, which actually we kind of knew each other before, but not really, so it's a kind of amazing that he was listening to our show independently. Uh, so, well, so Dave Austin, and then his friend is John Miller, who's, I guess, a traumatic type director, which I just met for the first time as like seconds oh, ago so, shit. so so here so we have no idea what kind of conversation this is queenie i know you get nervous when yeah. the crowds are big so step in when you need to girly i know the oscars aren't quite your thing but i know you know mad max so uh, we'll be definitely talking um, about mad max quite a bit because matter of fact let's start with mad oh, max right shit. now ladies and gentlemen oh, that knocks me out of conversation immediately but I want to talk about a controversy that has dropped from the from the ceremony. Okay, the the person who won costume director designer, her name is Jenny Bevan, and she walks up on stage with the leather jacket, a little bit lower down than some people would mm-hmm. consider for the Oscars. Now it hasn't been confirmed, but several news reports, including the Huffington Post, was pointing out that a majority of the people sitting next to her, including the Best Director winner, <clears throat> was not clapping for her. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, and first, so there's this big question is why were they not clapping? Now, I honestly have, I would give benefit of the doubt because it could have just been an angle thing and as she's walking, they could be clapping behind her. But supposedly about 20 or 30 people right in now. that uh, go ahead, Jamie. Oh, that, oh, that wasn't me. But uh, uh, I mean, I oh, think that oh, oh, um, sorry. Uh, I did notice that a couple of people weren't clapping. But it, it was so ironic to me that the person that won for best costume design was the one that was most dressed down that season. <clears throat> I was listening to their her introduction though. They said she had been nominated like twenty times or something like that. And I'm like, I guess at this point she's just so over this shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Stephen Fry called her a bag lady, saying she dresses like mm. one, you know. And, and all this come, you know, and there's some really horrible things coming out of this. And and first of all, you know, okay, it's the Oscars, yes, 
we understand the dressing up, dressing down. Once again, though, we're talking about artisans, though, costume designers, people who do FX, editors, makeup artists. They're all a little bit eccentric. They're geeks like us, right? So there's some leeway. Remember, the costume designer who won Priscilla Queen of the Desert accepted her Oscar dressed in American Express cards. Oh, yeah. That's, like, one of my most memorable Oscar dresses ever. You know, nothing but gold American Express cards. And and it also upsets me that I let off because of a cost, because someone was dressed in a, quote, quote, not well enough, that that is the biggest controversy that came out of this Oscars. You know, it's like, why why are we still talking about what women are wearing that way? I mean, I don't well, know. You know, it, didn't she win? She won for Mad Max, right? Yes, she did win for Mad Max. Yeah, and I I saw it as is just desert chic. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know what? She deserved to win for Mad Max. I actually pegged, and I think Dave Austin agreed with me that the Danish girl was going to be the winner. Um, oh, Danish girl! Was, I just watched uh, it yesterday, and those costumes were gorgeous. They really were. It's an, uh, I, you know, it's more up the wheelhouse of what the costume design usually is. Almost always, it's never a modern film, rarely a modern film, and it's never a genre picture. So that Mad Max wins is a pretty big deal. Uh, it also won all. It deserved production design, and and it also, uh, but but it wasn't the winner of visual effects. And, and when I talk about this, I'm going to bring John Miller in because he's our genre director. Sir, have you seen Ex Machina? No, I haven't. I, okay, well, I will it's tell you. I streamed, to watch. Ah, I see. Okay, well, I will say I screamed with excitement only twice that entire oh. ceremony. Twice. The first time was when Ex Machina won visual effects over Star Wars, over Mad Max, which is absolutely the coolest shit ever. Um, but the, what was, and I'm sure Jamie screamed the, when the, at the same time I did the second time. That's when Enrico Morricone won score. <laughs> so, yes. you know, when Morricone won score. The- that was the best moment of the night for me. Like as a movie score geek, uh, I was really moved by that moment when he came up and accepted. Yeah, that was and very it sweet. Is, and it's a really good score too. I mean, yeah. really, yeah. It, it it really is a good score. It's not just like oh, we're giving it to him because he's a lifetime and we have ignored him all these years, which they do all the time, Leo. Uh, you know, but. Uh, no, he deserved it because that score is amazing. Even over John Williams' Star Wars score, which honestly, as I actually think it's a really good score. I think the Star Wars, the new Star Wars score is quite good. So, uh, you know, but Marco, you know, to hear, to hear this Italian spaghetti western score win an Oscar, hell yeah. But honestly, though, having visual effects to go to Ex Machina over Mad Max over Star Wars and... That to me, the subtle effects is just, it doesn't happen like that very often. And I don't yeah. think we're going to see a win like that ever again. <laughs> you know, I don't know. So um, let's change topics a little bit. Um, let's talk about Mr. Chris Rock. And I don't want to grade his performance because that's not what this is about. I want to say that I think that the Academy was lucky that he was hosting. Yeah. yeah. Lucky. Mm-hmm. 
because I don't think if Billy Crystal had been the host or someone, even Ellen DeGeneres, though I actually think she'd told her own, with all the shit that went down over this season, that he was the host. He, you know, he was picked beforehand. So uh, he was able to, he was the right person to deal with the stuff. That being said, I thought a lot of it felt really engineered. Like I, like I was being, I'm, I was meant to, I, I am supposed to feel this way. I'm supposed to feel that way. And sometimes it completely fell flat. Like when poor Stacey Dash walks out there having no clue what's happening. We don't know if she's in ah. on the joke. We don't know if she's in on the joke. We don't know if we're in on the joke. We don't know if there's a no, joke No, I don't think she was oh. in on the joke at all. Uh Personally, that that that, I mean, just personally, I really think that uh, that they that uh, Chris dragged her out to embarrass her. Uh, I don't even know the what, it, it, but it didn't do that, though. That's the weird thing. You know, it, it just kind of, like, it just didn't make any sense, right? It happened, it over, and everyone went to the Internet to find out why was this girl out there, you know, but nobody, I don't know, it just, it, 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 I think. It, oh, you it, understood well, why, you know, though, afterwards, though, didn't you? Yes, I did understand, but, you know, it was one of those yeah, jokes exactly that hit, the like, point. a lead bo- it was a It was a lead balloon. Boom, you know, it just didn't work on the moment. You know, the moment and, didn't work, but you know, fuck? I think a lot of great stuff about Chris Rock's humor is that it has deeper layers to it. Like uh, when you start to think about it, reflect on it, like uh, uh, another kind of truth comes to the forefront. And that was a terribly awkward moment, but the whole movie was about diversity. And I think when he brought her out, it was his way of saying. This is this is diversity in our own community. This is a, this is an African American woman that doesn't believe in Black History Month, BET, uh, all of all of those special uh, shows and networks and things, um, and we don't accept her in our own community. So how how committed are we to the idea of diversity? Now that I, I doesn't say, make it I, funny, but, but well, no, I, I really do think that the entire the Oscars was um, what was the word you used a minute ago uh, staged but it was more at each point there was yeah engineered thank you but it was engineered to actually make you face every every point of racism and why you're not diverse but at at the same time it, it gave you those moments to feel at ease I want to say how hypocritical the whole thing was. This is where I come down on this. First of all, I don't think Chris Rock is hypocritical. He actually held his own. Like I said, they're lucky to have him. But when you go behind the scenes at some of the things that actually was going on during the Oscar ceremony, there is some questionable stuff. And the biggest one mm-hmm. for me is that they cut two of the songs for best song. And like people are like, well, why that's just two songs? No, because one of the singers that was supposed would have performed her say was a transgender Asian woman and the second transgender person ever to be nominated for an Oscar. Her move her song nominated for best that she performed, nominated for best Oscar, was cut quote unquote in lieu of time. So they only played three out of five of the best song nominees. They cut the two smaller ones and didn't give them a chance to shine, which is another complete crap in the first place. But then you have Lady Gaga killing it 
as we kill it on stage. Like, even everyone, she broke the entire audience, right? The entire audience yeah, broke down. You know, and and it was like like one of the only honest moments. And then she then they turn around and they give it to Sam Smith, the white guy, for the worst Bond song in fifteen years. Uh, you know. Anyway, I'll get off my high horse. David, what do you think of the Bond song? You let you rant about it a little bit. Oh boy. Well, I was cons. Uh, yeah, I, I'll be honest. I just dropped my third Ambient. And I've been consulting my boys, Big H and Little Ed. And uh, all I really got to say about the Oscars is that it's rather telling in this day and age that people are going to go on and on with their Oscar sell white campaign. Chris Rock made a very excellent point about the fact that in society we've become so complacent that instead of having real issues to complain about, and rest assured there are real issues to complain about, instead we pick on trivial shit, like the Oscars. I mean, you know, Jada Pinkett isn't going to show up. I'm sorry, concussions sucked. You know, I mean, you know, when Joe Biden showed up to talk about, you know, what, you know, the rape culture on campuses, I mean, it's a, pretty it's a pretty noble gesture but on the other hand you know the UVA rape story was a hoax as was Emma Solkowitz so but but you know maybe you want to talk about fake culture instead of rape culture well but you know you also have to remember that Oscars has always been a place where people have platformed their their political uh, their political standings that is actually not unprecedented at all it always happens uh you know but then again then you also had at the you know you had lady gaga surrounded by actual victims of sexual abuse you know so it yeah. does happen you know so, it does uh, happen and i'm not i'm not downplaying that but in a time where you know honest to goodness rape victims are being just really just cast aside in favor of these frauds, you know, it's a really, it it just seems like grandstanding. It's like using somebody else's very real suffering to get your, you know, to get a point across. And it's like Michael Moore training his camera on that woman as she's crying for her dead son on the White House lawn. It's exploitative in the worst possible way. You know, well, then there's also this thing during uh, Kevin Hart gave a really heartfelt speech about diversity. I actually thought it was actually more pointing at the most of the stuff that Chris Rock was saying during the Oscars. And they blast, they bleeped, they dead aired when he said Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter. Dropped, yeah, they dropped it out of the broadcast. And at the end of that speech, if you listen to him, he goes, he said, oh, by the way, I knew they were going to do that. They told me they were. I was going to say it anyways. He says that at the very end of his speech, uh, and uh, I, I was like, "Okay, so you're 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 promoting diversity, but you're afraid to say Black Lives Matter. You know, it's not even a cuss word. You know, it, um, you know, and then there, you know, and, and then there's the issues of of the horrible, horrible wrap up music cutting off all the people that matter who are up there for only a few seconds to get their awards, and they're being, you know." Um, 
and and a lot of those folks were all like you know women minorities you know so there's this like whole like 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 one thing happening with Chris Rock and his stage performance yet the actual Oscar ceremony itself and what's physically happening is completely contradictory to what the promotion of diversity because they're basically icing out everybody who's different um but you know but then again, it's the Academy Awards, and I think we're being too hard on Ampus because Ampus is old. I mean, Ampus is almost outdated. Um, Jack Valenti invented Ampus a long, long time ago. So we, how do we bring how do we bring the Academy Awards into the 21st century? What would make it more interesting? So so far, everything keeps falling apart. Nobody knows how to solve the problem. Of, of diversity in Hollywood and Academy and the Academy Ampus is not the group to do it. Somebody else has to do it. It has to start at the at the a different level. Where does it start? Let me throw it to Jamie because you're on the inside on some of this. Where would you start to 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 Where would you start with? Or I'm not asking you to fix a problem that can't be fixed. Don't get me wrong. But what, do you have any suggestions or ideas? <laughs> Where would ideas? I start in fixing racism? Uh, yeah. Know, that's a good question. <laughs> Uh, I know that's a big one. <laughs> you I'm know, sorry, I don't but I think I realize what I asked you. I, I, you know, if you look at the history of the Academy, uh, y- yes, uh, there aren't a, a, as many minorities that have been represented as should have been. But uh, you know, th- these past two years, notwithstanding, I think they've been okay, and, and especially in the wider context of you have people from many countries, you you have you have many different. Uh, races uh, and heritages uh, awarded. Uh, even the other night there were. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know how to fix it except what everyone else has really said that's actually in the industry. It has to start with the the movies they make and the people they hire to make those movies. Uh, and then everything will grow from that. I mean, it's not, the Oscars are the end of the road in this problem. Uh, the real problem is, you know, at the foundation. Well, wait, wait, let me really chime in on something. Hey, 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 hey. Go ahead. If you hire Go more, ahead. if you hire more minorities to make movies, who says that people are going to pay to watch those movies? It's like you yeah, can't force was... people to dump millions of dollars into a project if it's not going to make money back. And I live in the hood. Black people don't go to the movie. They don't buy movies. They bootleg movies. So it's a little weird that they'd want more di- like to pump a lot of money into diversity when the people that they're doing it for don't even pay to watch the movies. Well, like, shit, I if I go to my barber shop, they got a book full of DVDs, three dollars for a for a DVD. I go to the flea market; there's five different booths there full of bootlegs. You know what but, I mean? But diversity isn't but diversity isn't targeting the demographic. That's what what diversity is. Diversity is giving our Idris Elba a shot of playing James Bond. That's diversity. Right, but why should he That's, play James Bond though? But like, why is he, he deserving to play awesome. James Bond? Because he's a great actor, he's English, and he would rock the part. That's why. But then you're just, <laughs> like, you're just so. doing it to raise eyebrows, though. You know what I mean? It's just a way to get people to no, talk. Not it's not like It's no, not like okay. a real thing. I, I would say if, no, I, if, I was a, if I was a black man, which I'm not, but if I was, and they wanted me to play a white character, I'd be like, nah, fuck that. I want to play, like, a... Give me like a Shaft character or something. Give me my own character. Like, James Thank Bond. Thank you. That's, well, I mean, that's like, that's like some weird stuff. Thank you. agree with me on that. Like, that's yeah, like some weird like, stuff he, that people watch. Like there's diversity like, and then there's ridiculous. That it, uh, to well, me no, that no, would no, just you guys no no because don't forget Dark Tower was just announced. 
he was just announced in Dark Tower, which was a white character in the book. So it does happen. Well, well, it's, 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 yeah, it's so. different. For me, I think it's different if you're casting something that doesn't have an established cinematic basis. But, you know, you've got Bond who's been established from the 1950s. I mean, and people who why, have why loved, can't like, 24, 25. But that's force-feeding stuff, though. Like, that's not natural. That's almost <sighs> insulting to people. It's not about natural. Uh, if the guy rocks, is, is, I, can, I can see Right, but is, aren't, they being, aren't they being pressured, though, to diversify? Like, because they're also adding, like, no, a gay I'm best not, friend that lectures no, him on everything. It's pandering. Uh, Right, as pandering, right. I, don't, I don't. I don't think that James Bond was. Uh, I, I don't think it's crucial that James Bond be white. I don't think he's no, entirely defined by being white. No, I don't think it's right, crucial. Right, but it's not saving the world that he be black either. No, no but, I don't uh, think I, it's I don't necessary think that, yeah. to to change yeah, please, an, an iconic character. character. I, I well, haven't been why, able to get over Daniel like Craig. A, um, like a British Shaft or something. Like, why can't he be a 2017 Shaft or uh, something like that? Because to me, Shaft's way cooler well, than a, James Bond. Well, that's a different movie. So, right, I mean, but he's that's done what I'm saying. Too. But it's why called, can't he have his own Luther. character? That's, he does. So the, it's called Luther. <laughs> he right. has a movie. Called, a TV show but, called but Luther. But here's the thing, so though. He's, but here's he's the thing, though. But if you're, if, you're, if you're begging for jobs, like, that's the difference between being an employee and being a he's boss. Not. Like, the problem is that black people don't have strength in the industry to where they can hire each other, and the ones that do, maybe they don't do it. Maybe they don't invest their money in All the right, right project. Well, I, I, so I, I if you're Idris Elba, from... you're an employee, right? Right or wrong? He's an employee, not a boss. So if he's going to be um, James Bond, he's begging for a part. But he's now, not begging. I think everybody's a, begging on his not, behalf. Yeah, he's not begging <laughs> Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He, it's he, insulting. He, he's, in, he's in control of what parts he chooses. So, and that's very, very awesome when that happens. As a matter of fact, that's what J.K. Simmons said on the red carpet, which I thought was so cute. He goes, yeah, my, my Oscar means now I can pick and choose my own parts. And I want to say for J.K. Simmons to be able Didn't to work out for Cuba Gooding Jr. Hell yeah. You know, well, you know, he, he can pick his own, choose his own parts, too, if he wants to. He's completely capable Yeah, so can Holly Berry, and so. she's a red box. <laughs> well, anyway. Cuba Gooding Jr. is playing O.J. Simpson. Let's change about it to a completely, completely different type of not recognition. Okay, let's talk about let's talk about the in memoriam. First of all, I want to say something I thought was hysterical that um, the, what's his, uh, Chris Rock said something that was absolutely funny about the in memoriam next year is going to be about the uh, people that didn't make it to the movies. I thought that was like the funniest line of the night, but. Uh, but the in memoriam had a few people uh, very, very noticeably missed. Uh, the biggest one, the one that most people noticed, of course, is Abe Goda, which has been a brunt of death jokes for years and years and years and probably would find it actually funny that they forgot. But his daughter didn't find it very funny that they forgot that he was in the in memoriam. But even more so, I want to say I've been yelling about his name all year, and everyone forgot that Roddy Piper died this year. And he was an actor in his own right. And and why, you know, every in memoriam I have seen, like it maybe wasn't... two or three had Roddy. Everyone's forgetting that poor Roddy Piper died this year, and I'm not sure why. Um, so... I mean, I can see them accidentally forgetting Angus Grimm and Gunnar Hansen because for us, they're huge stars, but maybe not for the Ampus. It's crowd. But Roddy Piper was in some of the biggest cult films around. It wasn't like he was an obscure figure. So Yeah, and they put Wes Craven front and center. 
Wes Craven and Stan Freeberg, two of my personal heroes, were up top. So I do find that really touching. Uh, Stan Freeberg was I, I, I pretty much one of the reasons why I'm on the radio is because of Stan Freeberg. So you should listen to his old comedy records. They're still cold up in their own right. Um, so, but I, I, you know, in the I, I find it awkward anyways. I find it ironic about the Abe Vigoda thing simply because for years and years and years and years, it's been like a Hollywood joke. Um, and they've even trotted it out in movies and stuff like that about has Abe Vigoda died. And, yeah, and for them to actually forget it in the in, Marin, in memoriam that was. Well, yeah, I think, well, I think so, he was in the in memoriam tribute about 10 years ago. And they and they uh, just decided not to include this here. Uh, you know, they always leave out the genre, uh, like the more cultish figures. But I do think that Gunnar Hansen. I mean, he was he starred in one of the great horror classics of all time. Like, I do think that he deserved to be in that mix. Oh, uh, I, yeah, but he's I, just a dude in a mask, so he didn't really act. Yeah, he did well, act. Gunnar I Hansen, mean, acting acting is it, it doesn't matter if you're wearing a ma- mask or not. You're on camera and you're playing a character. You have to play. Right, yeah, actually, couldn't you get could like just some dumb dumb football player to like you know get some varsity kid on Texas football team to show up and put a mask on? That's Jason. <laughs> I mean, they skipped Corey Hayman a few Gunnar years Hansen. ago. Gunnar Hansen was noticed on Saturday on the Sunday morning show, like the really hoity-toity one early morning, and they even recognized him and forgot Roddy Piper. Now, Gunnar Hansen absolutely should have been noticed. Uh, uh, you know, matter of fact, the production designer for Texas Chainsaw Massacre, when he died, was noticed on the Oscars a few years back. I had to double-check and make sure, because he was a very iconic production designer in his own right. Uh, so I, 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 that they admitted Gunnar Hansen is, I mean, he, he was not just an actor. He was also very, very active in the industry, supported a lot of independent filmmakers. Uh, he, he, he deserves some notice for sure. And other places have noticed Gunnar Hansen. The Oscars didn't, but I still think missing Roddy Piper, both of those, I, 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 it still breaks my heart. And Angus Grimm, I would have liked to seen him up there. I knew they were probably going to forget though. So... Uh, Queenie, are you yeah. there with us, sweetie? I am. So, um, um, did you see anything on the fashion of the Oscars this year? No, not really. That's that's not really my not bag. Really. I don't care what anyone's not wearing. Not really your bag. <laughs> no. But you did. No, I always watch what's wearing because it's the one time I do gloat at fashion, uh, and and because I don't consider those clothes, I consider them. Art pieces that are like, like you know, they're wearing that jewelry. You know, they rent it, right? It's the same idea with the okay. dress. It's designed for them. It's like a walking billboard. That's how I consider True. it. So, so that's but why I never I remember. Carpet. I never remember the name of the designer. I always remember the dress, though. Like yeah, the dress that um, Kate Blanchett was wearing was just gorgeous. There was one person who did walk who did get an award. Um, I think she was like an art director or something. I can't remember on Mad Max. She wore just a, a coat, a leather jacket, and she looked pretty normal. And she said, I don't do this clothing thing. I'm here to get my award and that's it, you know? And I was like, you go. That's my girl right there. <laughs> that, was, that was Jenny. That was I Jenny Beavis, the poster designer. And they didn't clap for her. That's why I led off for that. Yeah, that was Jenny Beavis. Yeah. That was her. Uh, 
Uh, okay. But I want to say there were quite a few women on the Mad Max that won awards. The uh, costume designer, the production designer, and the makeup designer are all women. So congratulations on that. That was actually, if you want to see a, show, a movie, and this is one thing Mad Max is, it truly is a diverse piece in the sense that it's an international piece. There's women above the line, below the line. There's men and women on both sides, and that is diversity. You know, just being able to, you know, everybody come and help. This show is diversity. I've got, what, we've got some crazy independent filmmaker. We've got a super fan. We've got our sexy witches, and we have our hardcore real critic and Jamie Duvall. So this is also diversity in our own way. So uh, diversity is more than just race. Diversity is about skill set. Diversity is about uh, you know, even the clothes you wear is about diversity. Uh, oh, you know, opinions. going around the country. <laughs> yeah, well, I, one of the best ways to show diversity to somebody is to ask them what they call a Coca-Cola. And a lot of people go, why? Because if the panel part of the country you live in, you're going to call it a different name. There's parts of Colorado and the Rockies call it pop. It's Coke on the West Coast. I don't know what they call it up here right now, but, you know, it's, everything is Coke in Atlanta. doesn't matter what you drink. It's all Coke. Uh, you know, so, uh, you know, it, it, it just shows even little as our language is, is different, even regionally. So, you know, there's a lot of inclusivity on, uh, you know, on our show even. So, yeah, I, I, never, I never know exactly how Southern I am until I go up to your house. And and then I realize exactly how much I use phrases like "Oh Lord" or "Jesus" a lot, <laughs> and I'm like, "Wow, I am Southern." <laughs> and, and I still live in Maryland, which is technically the South. And, and 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 of course, you've got Jamie who lives in Lakeland, Florida. And I don't know what their vernacular is, but there it, it can really regionalize. Like like the people in Florida are as different as. The towns that they live in, every town is different in Florida. Every person is different. You know, you have regions where you have lots of little ladies. And you have this, you know, St. Augustine area. You know, so what is Lakeland like? That's yeah, like Orlando when, when area, he said, right? when, when he described you as a John Waters of Florida, I was envisioning like this alligator wrestler in a suit, well, John Waters Salas, like, I, I don't oh, know well, what I'm expecting with that kind of imagery. I believe John Miller left our dropped our call, but that's okay. Uh, Dave, you're still with us, right? So, um, you know, but thank you for calling, Mr. John Miller. I'll have to talk to him more later on. Um, so it's 10 o'clock, and let's see, what are we cover? Oh, uh, I also wanted to mention something. I think uh, uh, Louis C.K. actually said something very important. Yeah. During, during the Oscars, and it was funny, but it was true, is that, and this is something I've always felt about the Academy Awards, it's one thing for Leo DiCaprio to finally win his award. You know, he's been up for six times. He probably deserved it. I honestly haven't seen The Revenant yet, so I can't tell you if it's the best actor performance or not, but he's got a solid body of work, so he wins. Is it going to hurt or help his career? Yeah. His career was already pretty well set. He's going to be fine. You know, he's not going to have to worry about it. Someone, a documentary short, an Oscar means more work. An Oscar means a bigger house. An Oscar means your family can eat sometimes. Not always. 
Uh, you, know, um, you can you can sell your Hyundai. I like how he said they're going home in a Honda Civic. You can sell your Honda Civic and get something a little bit bigger. You know, uh, so documents. Louis C.K. said it so much better than I ever could. But I was so excited to see someone actually say what it's like to be a documentary short subject director. You have to have you have to be crazy. You have to be nuts, and you have to be passionate because you're telling some amazing stories. And the woman who won. Uh, her speech was my favorite of the night because she was the first person to defeat the wrap it up music. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you remember the wrap it up music all night was like, and that's why I started oh, yeah. the show with was, was awful. I don't know who the hell I, I, I don't like to rank on the Oscars cause it's a ceremony and we'll move on. But I actually thought this was a pretty awful ceremony and not everyone agrees with me and that's okay. I just think it felt like under the scenes, like the actual running of the show kind of went, yeah. you know, it was you know, really, like, it was really sloppily directed. It uh, was. I, I, it was. Yeah. And I, it I was never like liked, they were preparing never... for camera shots, and you could see when they mm-hmm. were getting ready for it, and they had switched too soon, and yeah. And uh, I don't uh, like the them playing thing. people off. Uh, the the uh, like they even tried to play off Inuritu, I think. He defeated it completely. He did. Yes, he was yeah. the second person to defeat the wrap it up music. He, they actually stopped. Like she got hers in in the nick of time, right? Like, she was able to get it all in. The music was still playing, but she got her whole speech in. Yay, hooray. But he actually went past the speech, and they stopped playing the music. And I was yeah. like, ha-ha, but you know what? And, and it, okay, it always ahead. ticks me off. Like, when they cut out two of, two of the song performances, as you said before, when, when they start to play off the, the, the winners, like, they got to think, what is this ceremony actually about? It's about a celebration and a passion for film. And you're cutting the guts out of that celebration when you do those things. It, it makes it feel like it's all for ratings. And granted, it's Disney and ABC, and they need those ratings. Uh, but at the same time, you're losing the. You know, they, they had the lowest ratings in 12 years. It's because the show yeah. was just stale. People checked out about halfway through the show, and I don't. And it by had the nothing way, to do with the diversity issues. Huh? I don't think that there's any way to make the ceremony sh- shorter, like short. No. I think the ceremony, the ceremony is what it is. And the fact of the matter is the, the channel, the ABC, they don't necessarily want it to be shorter because this year they made $110 million in advertising just for the Oscars. And if they made that a two-hour ceremony, they'd make a lot less money. Uh, so I think we're just stuck with the with the length of time it takes to do an Oscar ceremony. Well, yeah, it's like the Super Bowl. Yes. I mean, I've called it my Super Bowl for like 15 years, and it really is. It's Geek Super Bowl completely. I mean, I I don't even, like, to me, ultimately. You might not always be pleased with the ceremony, but you need to watch the whole damn thing, and it takes about four hours, just like a football game. (laughs) Or it can. And there were some good moments in this in the ceremony. Like I said, I think Chris Rock did a pretty good job. That they raised sixty five thousand dollars for the local Girl Scout uh, troop was pretty badass. Uh, you know, uh, you know, um, you know. There, you know, uh, Lady Gaga like showed once again. People, I, a lot of people dismiss her because of her pop music, but as a lot of people don't know, she was the youngest 
like graduate of Tisch School in New York. So she actually knows what she's doing, and she showed it on stage. She just, like I said, uh, even if it didn't translate so well on camera, the people in the audience certainly like it hit them hard. I, I've never seen a response that strong in a long time from the audience of an Oscar, uh, you know, so there were, well, really they knew they were some, cool they, they knew they were headed for something <coughs> serious when Joe Biden introduced it. Yeah, so. And and Gaga amazes me just for the fact that she can play the piano and point her finger at the same time. I mean, that's a special yeah. gift right there. I really love that the outfit she was wearing was understated for her. It was classy. It was right for the ceremony. Um, she didn't have on like a bunch of makeup. It was just a little bit of pink just for, you know, some accent. And it was just her. I want to bring up one other thing if I can, because I think when I when I was a kid and loving the Oscars, I mean, they were so special uh, and they they still are kind of like from a nostalgic standpoint for me. But Mm -hmm. I think a lot of the allure of the Oscars is has been kind of rubbed away because we have to deal with about 12 award shows before the Oscars even come up. So I think we have awards fatigue by the time, you know, the most sacred of all movie award shows happens. And so I I would cut a lot of those award shows leading up to the Oscars. The Oscars should be uh, special. I mean, I hate to sound precious about it, but that's how I feel. It used to also be an end of March. It used to be a standalone thing. All of a sudden, here comes the Oscars. Like, all this early end-of-the-year stuff already happens, and then, like, there's a couple of weeks before the nominations of the Oscars. And we don't get that anymore because they moved up the Oscars a month. So there's also that as well. It used to be, like, the Grammys, and then you'd have a breakdown, then you'd wait for a while, and then the Oscars kick in. And we yeah. don't get that anymore. We don't get that anticipation for the Oscars like we used to. It's all kind well, of plus you already you already know season. You can look at all these other award shows and and you already know how people are voting. But but you know it's, it's Sunday been, Sunday had surprises to it. But you know it usually doesn't. No, not very many. I mean, I I knew Spotlight was going to win as soon as it won the Producers Guild Award. Uh, you know, I you know I, I was surprised that the Revenant the Directors Guild went with the Revenant. Uh, which could have split the vote, but I said, no, what's going to happen is Spotlight's going to win Best Picture, and they're going to give director to Revenant, which is exactly what they did. And, uh, you know, and of course, once again, some people winning Oscars back-to-back isn't a bad thing. I mean, you had Emmanuel Lubezki winning his second back-to-back Oscar. You can't say it's anything third. about that. It's third. Yeah. That's right. It's his third. It's it, it's uh, Indurit's, uh second and his right. third. So, you know, so you can't really say anything about, you know, Lubezki. He's like the best in the, in the world, you know. <laughs> you know, you can't say, no, you don't deserve it. Yeah, he does. Of course he deserves it. Uh, you know, yeah. it, it, it's amazing, you know. But it wasn't really a big surprise, if you understand what I'm saying, you know. Um, I, I was surprised know. that Stallone didn't win. Uh, I was, even though some people said that – some people did say that Mark Rylance would win. But uh, Stallone would have been like a. People were looking forward to that moment when he won. I know. Kind of a full, actually, full circle moment. That was one of the true surprises of the night is Mark Rylance winning. Well, supporting I, categories I, usually have a tendency to surprise. 
They can, well, that yeah. Is true. Yeah. So, yeah, so, and that's cool. Um, and unfortunately, even though Lubezki won, once again, Roger Dinkins has to wait for year 15 <laughs> to get his Oscar. Uh, you know, uh, someday, someday. You I'm, know, I'm telling you, man, he, he's going to get an honorary Oscar before he actually wins one. I think that's what's yeah. happening with him. Yeah, Susan Lucci of the Oscars, Roger Deakins, yeah. cinematographer. So, you know, <laughs> everyone was, you know, oh, I will also, also point out, while, while he's been nominated 14 times, the woman who wrote the song Lady Gaga wrote, um, she's been nominated eight times. That was her eighth nomination, mm-hmm. and she lost again. So once again, another slap in the face for that moment. I still think the best song category was absolutely the most horrific thing that happened in the Oscars, and it brought the rest of the ceremony down. But Yeah, I was upset again, that, that they won. But, you know, once again, Fury Road, which is a genre picture, cleaned up in the Tech Awards, and we're happy, and yeah. the Artisan Awards, too except for visual effects. And the fact the it was even nominated for Best Picture was amazing. Yeah, I mean, that is one of those times where it's really honored to be nominated, even though I honestly, and Jamie, I, I do honestly come down that I think we should go back to five Best Pictures. I think eight to ten is just too many. I, yeah. I, 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 am, I am not catching them all. They're not all playing in the theaters <clears throat> near me now. When there was five, I could go get them and get them in in time. I didn't get nearly as many uh, Oscar movies in it this season as I would like to. Partly because there's I, 10 Best Picture nominees. <laughs> well, I, I kind of like the the more than five simply because you get more choices. I, I like um, that as a And that's too. what allows for things like Mad Max to sneak in. Right. And, and there is true about the room there. But at the same time, it's also, it's kind of shattering the vote. And I, and you know, and, and but then again, I, let me step that back a little bit, because Spotlight, even though I haven't seen it all the way through, but it is the type of movie the Oscars likes. It's, it's a classic press drama, right? You know, the press looking at the hard story and revealing the truth. And the Oscars love that kind of movie. Uh, so, you know, I can see why it won, if that makes any sense. So... Somebody it makes is. sense. All right. Well, I was, I was trying we... to get my dog away from the kid's door. <laughs> oh, that's what's going on. I'm hearing these panting, and I'm like, Jamie, are you breathing heavy into the microphone? <laughs> no, it's the porn hey. witch. Hello. Oh, <laughs> of course it is. So, Jamie, do you have any final thoughts about the Oscars when we wrap up this segment? Because it's time, I think it's time to move on and put this to bed. The diversity thing, I think, will come up again next year put a finger on that but I do think that Chris Rock was was the right person for the job and I'm glad yeah. that he was there so go ahead what do you want to add I mean Chris Chris Rock's brilliant but uh I think when when he announced uh, that uh, what what was it like a documentary short or a live action short whatever Louis CK did I, I I think uh everybody said he needs to host next year I think that would be good uh, but at the same time, the host only determines the first, really, 15 minutes of the show, and then you know the actual show has to happen. So, uh, and I don't know how to make the show more entertaining for you know the general public. Well, but, it's, um, it's a ceremony, and right. there are certain ceremonies that are entertaining, and then there are certain ceremonies that you can tinker with the formula of, but they're always going to be. Mm-hmm. You know, there's always going to be that undertone to them, and the Oscars are a serious ceremony. I agree. I agree. 
and I'm I'm crazy about them. Like even when they're me awful, too. Like they were this year. I, I, like I love them. <laughs> I mean, I I I didn't even get to see the Golden Globes this year. So the fact that I got to see the entire Oscar ceremony was like perfect for me because well, that's all I cared about it, anyway. And I did get to watch thing. the I did get to watch the Film Independent Spirit Awards that morning too before the Oscars mm. came on. And the Indie Spirit Awards are really what we all what matter. That and the Rondos, which we all love. And every time, so, uh, every time they show the director, <laughs> every time they show the guy who directed um, It Follows, it was so cute because he was just so happy to be there. It's like, hey. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's so awesome. <laughs> See, and so. So there's that, too. You know, Oscars are fun, and they're like Super Bowl, but they ultimately, we have to support all films and independent films. We want to see the films at the Indie Spirit Awards move up to the Oscar level. So let's get those films and, and give them both, win both awards, and that'll be the I, I do want to say so. one final thing. Because the Oscars are about, um, it's serious business, and it's about class. Above and sophistication above all else. It's it's Hollywood sophistication at its best, and that's one of the reasons I love it so much. But it's not just a ceremony, an American ceremony, which is, I think, what a lot of people get lost in when it talks about race and diversity. You know, there is a lot of international diversity when it comes to the Oscars, a lot of international diversity. I mean, think about um, the year that Roberto Benigni got it for Life is Beautiful. I mean, to have an Italian winner was, was an upset and amazing, but he was so fabulous. So it's it's so, not just, you know, it, it's a world diversity. Well, Elisa, diversity is more than just race. Diversity is about skill set, exactly. about, about talents, about not just who, what, you're, what you look like, but you're regionally where you're from. That all matters. And, you know, ultimately, it's a good thing. Our our differences make us stronger. It makes us see things differently. Uh, It it challenges us. Challenging us is important. And that's what movies are for. They're supposed to challenge us occasionally. Occasionally, they're good for escape. We like the big explosions, bad Mm -hmm. bags, and big dust bombs and things like that. But you also need films like Spotlight and The Big Short to make you think. Uh, And you also need the smaller films like It Follows to break those molds and make the subgenre new and fresh. So we need all those films are needed, and those are all made by different types of people from all walks of life and all budget levels. So we got it. We just got it. it's there. We just got to promote it. That's all. It's already there. We just got to you know make it uh, make it feel like it's always been there. So that was probably anyway, one I of the most joyous Oscar um, speeches I've ever seen in my life. Though, did anybody see the Roberto Benigni Oscar speech? Oh, of course, of course. Yeah. Oh he stood on the chair. Yes. Who didn't? Well, he yeah, when he chair. like walked across the audience head and like the chairs to get to the stage. I want to make I mean, love it just to fabulous. everybody. I want to make love. I want to make love. Yeah. yeah. So it was amazing. All right, Amy. What and else do you have now? up the pipe? Where is he uh, making more movies uh, in Italy? Oh God, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it, it, I wonder if he's part of the Oscar curse, though, because we we're talking about with Halle Berry and Cuba Gooding Jr. I mean, there is an Oscar curse. So, yes, I, I but mean, he didn't break I, up with his wife, so uh, so at least that didn't happen. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, and they they still make movies together too. None yes, of them have are, been so. as big as Life Is Beautiful, but they've done some really amazing work together in Italy. 
his last okay. film was To Rome With Love, and he was in 2012 as an actor, it right. says. And as a director, he hasn't made a film since Tiger in the Snow. Actually, that's mm-hmm. a long time ago. It was 2005. That's actually a pretty good movie. I like that movie. Um, so, Jamie, you have been on everything and their brother lately. So do you have anything coming up the pump you want to plug before we move on to the community calendar tonight? Uh, no, actually, we don't have a special series coming up. I mean, we just did our documentary series with 30 uh, documentary directors, uh, and we're um, we're going to do a Black Dahlia episode, uh, and then we're going to uh, – I'm trying to get Burt Reynolds, so that's about it. <gasps> ah. Oh, Burt Reynolds would be awesome. I, I would like yes. to uh, thank you. And thank you for coming on the show, Jamie. And I really am so glad that you came on. You came on last season, and I really had a great time. Oh, no! Please call again anytime you want. We love having you on. And um, please listen to Movie Geeks United on Wednesdays and Sundays. And sometimes they upload things, special interviews. And they also have videos on YouTube as well. So look for his show. It's one of my favorites. It's one of the oldest. And we keep him around because he is a badass. We love him. So thank you, Jamie. (laughs) And I'm sure I'll talk to you on the on the internet soon. Bye, sweetie. Bye, hon. Bye-bye. So that was Jamie Duvall, Movie Geeks United, one of my favorite people in the world. Thank you for coming on the show. Dave, before we move on, you've been awful quiet there. Do you have any final things to say before we move on from this Oscar conversation? Are you still there, David? Hello? I, I have the spoil for He's been sitting there, but I don't know if he's actually online or not. So... I've been having, even though uh, some of those were engineered fake mistakes I was doing with the Valkyries, the soundboard's been a mess tonight. <laughs> so, but we're all here. And thank you, and, and Queenie, I wanted to just thank you yeah. while you were patient during that segment. And, uh, no problem. And, and, um, Next week, we're going to have a really important thing to talk about that I know that you're going to absolutely passionate about this. But first, before I get into that for sure, I think it's time because mm-hmm. I'm going to lead off with it. We're going to bring on the community calendar. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. What's in my community calendar bag for the horror community and fan community this evening? Let's find out. All right. Well, first things first, and this is where we actually um, – my crowdfunding pick is the same one as it was last time we were on the air, and that is the FP sequel, Beats of Rage, by Jason Tross and the Tross Brothers. And uh, the reason why I'm mentioning this fundraiser twice in a row is because, it's, first of all, I'm a huge fan of the Tross Brothers. Um, if you've ever seen the FP – or Superheroes Must Die. Uh, those are hit their movies. Brandon Trost, the cinematographer, is a famous cinematographer. He's directed Lords of Salem. Uh, he also, I mean, he shot, he was DP on Lords of Salem. He was also DP on The Interview and a bunch of other films. You know, look up his IMDb list. It's quite impressive. Well, 
the most impressive thing about the FP is Sarah Tross. It's her sister. Not a lot of people know about her, but she is the costume and production designer on their on the Tross Brothers movies. And I've been a passionate fan of hers since I saw the FP because she basically invented thrift geek chic and doesn't even know how influential her work has been. And I was able to land that interview for our next episode of Archivist Bets on Sexy Witches. Uh, Sarah Tross is coming on the show. When I first made the list um, for this show, I had two names on it of two geek girls I wanted behind the scenes is number one and two. Number one was Jennifer Aspinall, who is going to be at Cinema Wasteland in her first con appearance very, very soon. And the second one was Sarah Tross, who's the costume production diary to the OSP. She was also on season eight of production of Project Runway, but she was voted off in the third episode. Um, I can't wait to talk to her about that experience. But the FP currently, um, the Beats of Rage sequel fundraiser, is currently about $15,000 with a month left. They want $100,000. I can tell you the FP was done on $45,000. So if they're asking for hundred grand, you know the movie's going to look like a million bucks. I mean, a hundred million bucks, even more than that. So, uh, so definitely, um, I have that. I'm going to post that on my Facebook page. But we're also going to talk about costuming and the FP in detail on the next show, March 15th. So, and Queenie, and I mentioned this on the off air. She also, for the horror geeks listening, she was the costume designer for Chrome Skull and Laid to Rest, which is a slasher movies that are very popular in the horror community. Uh, so Ooh. she basically. Yeah, she basically invented the Chrome Skull is basically the modern slasher upgrade of Jason, basically. So uh, uh, can't wait to talk to her about Chrome Skull as well. So and so that's awesome. all awesome. Yeah, so looking forward to it. That whole episode is going to be devoted to costuming and clothes porn. So we're going to talk about costumes. And there might be, thanks to Erin Marie, her friend Renee is also at South by Southwest, which is, by the way, our film festival pick for this month. Nana? Uh, and mm-hmm. uh, and Renna might call in and give us a live update on the 15th as well in the first half of the show because uh, Sarah Tross is calling in at 10 o'clock. Yeah, so <laughs> we'll, we'll have to confirm that, but uh, that's definitely uh, definitely uh, what we want to, you know, we'll definitely want to hear from her, and that will be awesome. Uh, so that's how, um, don't forget, though, also Pee Wee Herman's new film is the big drop at the opening of South by Southwest, just to let you know, but it also will drop at the end of the month on Netflix. So that's big Pee Wee Herman's holiday, which is a movie I've been waiting for for a very long time. So, so we're looking forward to it. So uh, now let's go back to something more sophisticated, because as we know, one of the biggest fan things in the world is happening right now, and that's the 50th anniversary of Star Trek. So we got to make sure we give some shout-outs. There's going to be Star Wars, Star Trek events all year, all over the place. Online, it's already happening. Uh, one of the bigger events is happening on the 3rd here in Baltimore. So in my part of the world, uh, we have Star Trek The Ultimate Voyage, which is a live orchestra concert of James Horner's best works. And it's going, they're going to beam a, sh- a movie simultaneously on a 40-foot screen while the music's being played. And there's going to be excerpts from Star Trek and the motion picture of the original Star Trek TV show. But then they're going to do a bunch of stuff from Jim Horner's work, including motion picture, Wrath of Khan, Voyage Home. 
uh, you know, it's going to be an amazing list of music, and that's at the Lyric Opera House on the 3rd of March. So if you're in the Baltimore area or within driving distance, it totally would be worth checking out. So I know you guys would go if you could, right? Yes. Oh, oh yeah. God, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's so many it's, things it's, I would love to do if I could. Oh, Okay, you want to hear something I would love to do that I'm not going to do? Uh, you know, you guys know Scotty that Scotty should I'm be actually... me there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Scotty should be me. That would be awesome. Which Scotty? Original Scotty or, or Simon Pegg Scotty? Original. Original. Okay. We'll give you the pass on the original. So, though Simon Pegg, Pegg is beaming me, there's not the beaming is not a transporter, but that's another story. Uh, excuse me. Um, uh, excuse me. I didn't mean to go there. Okay. Um, okay. But I do uh-huh. have to go here, Queenie. This is going to drive you nuts. Okay. You know that okay. actually, my husband bought me tickets to go to England on the 18th of March. Like it's coming up after our next show. I'm going to be in March for. <laughs> Yeah, that is a really good husband. We're going to be there for two weeks, but that's not what this story is about. The weekend before, on the 13th, the weekend I'm not going to be there, the the film festival in Bristol is happening, and they're hosting a special thing called the Horror in the Cave series, where they're taking a movie and they're showing it in Red Cliff Caves. And guess what they're playing on the 13th? The Descent. This is in oh, Bristol, dude. England, in the United Kingdom. Oh man! I and I am so going to be in Bristol, but the set next the Sunday after, <laughs> or two Sundays after. Oh, so I actually going to miss it. I'm like looking at that, going, "Oh, that would have been awesome!" Oh well. But so if you're if you're those someone in the UK or are listening in the UK and we do have a couple of UK listeners, uh, Bristol. If you're in Bristol, go see Neil Marshall's Descent in the Red Cliff Caves, and you can go. There's I'll post all this on the Facebook page. <laughs> we can't go. So go for us. Um, we so, would be there if we could. Uh, we would be there if we could. So. Uh, now, there is concerts coming up that were just announced this week, two geeky concerts, so I wanted to mention them. One is Rear Dal Yankovic has just announced the second leg of his Mandatory Fun Tour. So if you missed it on the first leg, which was amazing, I went, took all my whole family to the grandkid, I mean, my the grandparents and my kid, everyone went. Um, it, it's really worth doing, and the VIP ticket turns out, I didn't buy it last time, but everyone who did it said, oh, my God, it's amazing. So it is worth buying the VIP ticket if you can afford something like that. If not, pay for the regular general seating. It's an amazing show. You'll have a lot of fun with it. But what really excites me is that Flight of the Concords, which has been AWOL for like three years in the United States, announced that not only are they doing the Newport, Rhode Island film, uh, Festival, they are doing a small tour of the United States. Yay! I saw that. And they're going to be here on the 13th of June in my area. So guess what tickets I'm buying? So I'm not missing them this time. First of all, Brett, getting back to our Oscar uh, talk, you know, uh, Brett is actually an Oscar winner. He won for the Muppets. So, uh, you know, so you can say Oscar winner of Flight of the Concords. So, and then, of course, Jermaine Clement was in um, who, um, for vampire fans who, you know, we, what's going to call it? You know, we who live in the shadows. The shadows. Oh, my yep. God. Yeah. I'm messing up. What we do just lost it there. Yeah. You got it over 
it's like my favorite movie in last year, and I can't even give the title right. So, but what we do in the shadows, yes. Yeah. So, so for people that don't know who Flight of the Concords are, uh, you know, and haven't seen the HBO show, they're a comedy musical troupe first from New Zealand, and they're awesome. And so they're going back on tour, but their movies are just as good. And I cannot wait for Werewolves to come out. <laughs> so we're all looking. For, I'm so we're excited. All looking forward. Oh my God! So am I. So. Maybe um, I need to see me. something else they've done because I've only seen Flight of the Concords on HBO when it first came out, and I thought it sucked. But <laughs> I was oh, like, God, I love it. Well, watch their watch their live stand up show, which is really what they do, and it's actually really funny. I love their live stand up show. They banter. And I love banter. My show is about banter. So, uh, you know, I love them going back and forth. So um, so I highly recommend Rally of the Concords. And I'm going to end the, end the night with them, but I'll hold that for a minute. Um, we have two media conventions to mention. One's on 3-4 to 3-6, and that's Horror Realm in Pittsburgh. Smaller one, but they have a really nice lineup. A bunch of reunion casts of Nightmare on Elm Street, like every movie, and they're also mm-hmm. having a Return of the Living Dead reunion. So that's three, four to six. Um, that's March fourth in uh, Pittsburgh, and in Lexington, Kentucky, you have Lexington Comic Con, which is a pretty large one, and that's on the eleventh. And its headliners are the Fifth, Sixth, and Seventh Doctors and Carrie Gillian, and Elijah Dusku, and James Martis, and Brett Spinner, Henry Winkler, and wrestler Mick Foley. And that's just the beginning of a really nice, solid lineup at Lexington Comic Con. So if you're really into uh, Comic Cons, uh, that one's a nice one, uh, if you didn't get to uh, any of the Southern ones. So Lexington, Kentucky. Um, speaking of doctors, they announced this week at Awesome Con that City doctor Peter Cabaldi is going to be headlining Awesome Con this year. So that's kind of a big deal. He doesn't come to America very often, and, and here we go. We got the uh, we got the head the city Doctor Who coming to DC. So that's pretty awesome. Hooray for that. So uh, we only have two theatrical picks, even though there's a lot of movies coming out. Um, and I'm not counting the Oscar movies re-releasing in the theaters, though I will talk about the DVDs in a second. They are coming out. But there's two movies on 311 that are on my radar. One is 10 Cloverfield Lane, which is the uh, second film in the Cloverfield series. Not really a sequel, but it's monster movie set piece. So I, I'm looking forward Ooh, to it. One Goodman you know, in it, right? Yeah, I'm totally a kaiju, a kaiju fan, so I'm looking forward I'm to excited. it. And, yeah, so, and then there's this other little film, and guys, look for it, and it sounds totally awesome. It's called Barney Thompson, and it's a comedy thriller starring Robert Carlyle, and it's about a, an average middle American man like Walter Mitty who goes nuts and becomes a serial killer. So, really? uh, I'm sold. Uh, yeah, I'm sold on so many levels. Uh, well, I like so, Robert like, Carlyle. Oh, he's a geek husband, all right. Uh, oh, yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, uh, so keep it up for that. Barney Thompson and 311, along with 10 Cloverfield Lane. So, uh, of course, because the Oscars came out, our DVD Blu-ray choices, are, a lot of them are Oscar movies, uh, all of them dropping today. Creed, Room, Danish Girl, Carol, all those dropped today. Carol actually dropped it on VOD and not and not physical until a little bit later, but it is on VOD. But 
I want to say to balance that out, there's three badass genre pictures also dropping on DVD and Blu-ray this week. Gog, the killer robot from 1945. Love that movie. Strange Brew from 1983, the uh, hey, Bobby Douglas Kenzie movie. Yeah, yeah, with Max Bunsen now. Also, oh yeah, no, it, it, it's people so talk to me about that movie. Oh man, we, we have to do a Strange Brew. Yes, yeah, so oh, Strange Brew. Oh, we got to do a Strange Brew episode. <laughs> of course, you have to. If you're Canadian, no, you don't see Strange Brew. They lock you. No, I'm I'm a big <laughs> lover of Canadian. No, no. Canadian horror uh, comedy has been excellent lately. I watched Stage Fright twice on freaking Netflix the past <laughs> week, as well as, you know, Tucker and Dale vs. Evil and freaking Cooties. I just, no, Canadians they're killing it. People, okay? We are cold all the time. We have to do something to keep warm. Exactly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Laughter. I, I'm really... I'm really looking forward to the Moose Jaw movie that um, Kevin Smith is doing, the horror killer Moose Canadian movie. Oh, it's no. coming out. Oh, yeah. no. <laughs> no. Kevin Smith. And Tusk was pretty funny, too. I actually have a. That a is very not how French Tusk. people act. I don't care if it's Johnny Depp. That is not how French people act. No, Johnny Depp wow. is not. We Wow. He was awful in that movie, but that's another story. Oh, no, stop. It was funny. Exactly. It was funny. It, it was funny. funny. He has some of the best parts, him and and, and Michael. It was fucking sweet. So. You don't know real Canadians, all right? If you talk no, to a real French Canadian, they don't sound like that. I know, but it's funny. It's, it's supposed to be. It's Kevin Smith. Well, and there's I one other the film, and I've been saving players. the best for last. Um, the best Whoa. film to drop on DVD in the next week is actually, or tonight, is Pieces from 1982. So a video Ooh. nasty also dropped. And Pieces, for people that don't know, uh, it, a lot of horror geeks know about Pieces. It's this Spanish movie yeah. that feels like an Italian splatter film. Totally stupid. Even yeah. people who love the film think it's stupid. It is so over the top and off the wall. It's just silly and fun. I highly recommend Pieces, and, and the posters for Pieces are the best posters for any horror film oh, ever, yeah. I actually it's think. Beautiful. I love Pieces. So, so Gog, Pieces, and Strange Brew all came out today on, on, on Blu-ray, so hooray for that. Um, so, uh, We have some instant Netflix choices. Um, one already came out on the 26th, and we mentioned it on the sequel show about not quite a year ago. Uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Sword of Destiny drops on Netflix. So, uh, it, yes, it is an actual sequel to Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. And, yes, everybody that was on that one worked on this one. Yet, for some reason, it's going direct to Netflix. But that benefits me because I can watch it as soon as I go to my bedroom tonight. <laughs> That's probably what I'm going to do. So, um, uh, so Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, definitely have a look. Um, and then on three one instant Netflix, if you haven't seen Scarface, no longer with Al Pacino, no longer an excuse because it's on instant. As is Star Trek: The Motion Picture, which isn't everyone uh-huh. loves, but the, but I have a soft spot for. I saw it in the theaters, and the music is amazing. And uh, our first modern Klingons are in it, and the Klingon aesthetic lasts for the rest of the entire run of Star of Star Trek. So there is some important parts, important reasons to watch the motion picture, even though some people find it incredibly dull. <laughs> so, 
know, the evil sombrero hat cloud. You know, so, um, you know, that's the problem with villains. You want to give them faces, and a big cloud isn't really a good villain. Uh, so, uh, but, um, <laughs> but that's out, and so you can watch that. And for TV, we on the 4th of March, we have House of Cards Season 4. And Louie, once again, Louie C.K., uh, Louie Season mm-hmm. 5, which also drops on um, Hulu Plus. So, can, go can, can I stick in an 80s and 90s kid-loving little thing here? Fuller House just came out. Hello. Are you not going to oh, address the fact that Fuller House just came out? It dropped on the 26th. I was hoping that wouldn't be mentioned. God. Oh, I love it. I was slammed it. I slammed it last night. You people suck. It's awesome. Okay. No. You can love it all you Aaron, want. It's cool. Erin <laughs> Marie, I validate you mentioning Billy House, even though I find it dreadful, but it does have a yeah, very huge fan base. <laughs> huge fan base. And so I can't deny that. I mean, uh, I, yeah. I couldn't, I, John Stamos couldn't save that show for me. Now, that being said, my daughter loves Full House because of little babies in it and, you know, and that and the music. Mm. Uh, but, you know, but I validate you bringing it up. So, yes, for fans out there, and there are quite a few, Fuller House dropped in Thank you. So, if you want to watch it, there it All is. inclusive, diversity people, deal with it. It is diversity. <laughs> That's exactly the definition of motherfucking diversity. All right, right there. That we gave Fuller House a plug on a show that talks about human centipede and likes it. So, uh, you know, so here we go. You know, that's another thing. So, I keep forgetting to watch Human Centipede 3. I really need to watch that. Because it's I on need Netflix. To yeah. It's, oh, man. So, I got to watch it all the way through, too. I had trouble with the second film. I wasn't able to finish it. So, I got to move on to the Why? third one because it's much funnier. Oh, my God. Anyway, I'll talk about that later. I, I, when it comes to barbed wire rape, I kind of, like, check out a little bit. Anyway, um, you know, so yeah. a little bit. Oh, yeah. anyway. um, so um, Amazon Prime didn't drop anything new, but, but they dropped a bunch of really good classic movies to watch. And one of them is one of our genre favorites, which is American Psycho. We all like it. Yeah. All the sexy witches like yes. American Psycho. And speaking oh, of yeah. American Psycho, they just announced that Huey Lewis in the News is actually going to be playing 420 <laughs> at uh, Elmwood Park in Roanoke. Uh, and well, what I wouldn't whoa. what I wouldn't give to see a couple of Patrick Batemans wandering around in, in raincoats. <laughs> <laughs> I would love that. I know, right? Oh. Bring him out during well, Hip we, to be Square. <laughs> that would be pretty funny. <laughs> so, so uh, but we also have some classic films from some classic chicks. Uh, the Seven Year Itch drops on Amazon Prime for free. Uh, the Blue Angel starring Marlena Dietrich, who's one of my favorite actresses of all time. Both Ghostbusters films. A shit ton of James Bond, I think. Oh, no, that was Hulu Plus. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, Horror fans, The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari from 1920 dropped. Uh, Diary on Frank from 59 dropped. John Wayne's The 1950 Gunfire and then Rules of Attraction. That all dropped today. And on the third is one of my favorite, most underrated science fiction movies, Gattaca, which is becoming more and more relevant 
the more we get into genetics. So I highly recommend watching Gattaca because I feel it's minorly prophetic uh, what's happening with genetic uh, mutations and testing and engineering of children. It's a very good movie. So uh, Hulu Plus dropped true. a bunch of older films, too, that are really good. Um, one of my favorite movies about music, 24-Hour Party People. Oh, my God. Great film. If you've never seen it, 24-Hour Party People on Hulu Plus. Fabulous movie. Well, it, it, I can't recommend it enough. It's about the punk scene in England and Blue Monday. And it's just, it's, it's just bomb. I highly recommend that. Um, for War Geeks, we got Force 10 from Navarone from 1978, um, Indecent Proposal from 1993, uh, The Ninth Gate, which is Roman Polanski and Johnny Depp, which I actually mm-hmm. really like this movie. A lot of people don't like it, but I actually think the ending is so messed up and out there, it saves anything that any issues you had earlier in the film. But I honestly think it's a pretty solid movie. Uh, do either one of you have seen The Ninth Gate? I think oh, I've yeah. seen it once, but it was so ago. long ago that I don't remember much about it at all. It it felt. I remember the ending being frustrating. It is frustrating, and that's actually kind of the point. Uh, it was uh, a good movie up until the end. Yeah, re- rewatch it and come back to me on that because I actually think it's one of the more right. underrated Roman Polanski movies. So, um, also for fun movies, talking about diversity, we got Trading Places and Blackula, uh, both dropping on Hulu Plus. Capote, which is an uh, Oscar nominated film, and a whole bunch of James Bond movies, like a whole bunch of them. I think most of them dropped on Hulu Plus. So, those are all the uh, movies, and that was, I think, the end of my list. So we made it. There's a long list. So mm-hmm. yeah, it was a long list, and we still got ten minutes. So Queenie, anything you want to add to that list on the West Coast that I missed out on? <laughs> um, sadly, I don't. I don't know of many things happening in my area. I mean, I know there's stuff happening in Seattle, but like, it's, it's, I'd have to go look it up. I wasn't prepared for that. <laughs> well, Aaron, sorry. Aaron dropped. Aaron dropped a couple things in your area that he wanted me to pay attention to. One was Cthulhu Khan, which obviously we yeah. already knew about. But that's not happening until, um, like, so yeah, that, it's not happening, like, later in, yeah, like, October? Yeah, something like that. So it's still a ways yeah. off. But we're, we're waiting to hear back from November. that. Um. <clears throat> I know that they've dropped a bunch of announcements for WonderCon and for San Diego Comic-Con today. Uh, Kristen Ritter, who's the head of Jessica Jones, which is the, on Netflix, yes. I highly recommend Jessica Jones. It's a great show. She's headlining show. San Diego Comic-Con. Uh, so that was a big, big drop today. I'm really uh, excited really? about that. Yeah, Kristen, we headed to San Diego Comic-Con. I just oh, my God. Uh, so um, that's pretty awesome. That that has to mean uh, that the second season of Jessica Jones is already filming. Please, 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 please. Oh uh, well, it hasn't started filming, but they did greenlit it a couple weeks ago. At first, they said they weren't sure they were going to renew it because it was expensive, and I could believe that Jessica Jones was expensive. Absolutely, the movie, yeah. it's but it's so worth it. Oh, it's so worth it. And they had it was popular enough they're doing a sequel and Luke Cage also gets his own show. Uh yep. so uh it's gonna And they're be doing a, another one. I I heard about another one that they're doing. It's not just Luke Cage, Jessica, they were doing something else. Like, God, who was it? Well and there's the another there's another character course. they're getting ready to put out too. Oh my god. There's gonna Other be than so Daredevil. many Marvel movies. Yeah, I, I'd have to look it up too. There's gonna be so much comic book stuff. I mean, Netflix is dropping some amazing TV, actually. Uh, they so, they are. Um, 
Yeah, I'm really excited. And Jessica Jones, I'm like I said, I'm not the Marvel geek that you are, um, but I absolutely adored, absolutely adored Jessica Jones. I thought it was just brilliant. So, um, and David Tennant was just amazing in it. Um, oh my so. God, I have to agree. David Tennant was in top form there because he, I mean, granted, people love him for Doctor Who and everything, but David Tennant does David is the best when he is completely psychotic. <laughs> he does. He yeah. does psycho so well. So uh, it, it'll yeah, and and his psycho was actually it's funny because there was like this big question because his psycho has this really really vulnerable side to him, and a lot of women were attaching on to that character's like vulnerable side, and then other women were attacking those women for liking you know, such a horrible character, and it's like well first of all it's David Tennant a lot of people are gonna like him no matter what he is you know oh, yeah. so. You know, it's still a fictional character, people. We can have crushes on whoever we want. I don't know how many people I know have crushes on Gunnar Hansen and Jason. I mean, it's ridiculous, you know. So. Oh, no, I have <laughs> friends that that have sex fantasies about, uh, you know, their favorite horror characters and, and have and probably role-played them. I would not doubt. Well, that's what <laughs> fla- and that's what flash fiction is for anyways, right? If you're a fan and want to see that part of that ass, you can write it yourself. You know? Exactly. <laughs> so, um, and, the Internet uh, is a well, marvelous, horrible place. And I'm going to end this note on two things, ladies. First of all, the final um, Super Tuesday just came in. And uh, Donald Trump has taken Virginia and Arkansas. Uh, So, and so is Hillary Clinton. So, uh, our friends are now officially. I want to know the percentages. Yeah, I'll I'll look it up later. But um, I also want to congratulate Stephen Biro and Marcus and the people who made the American Guinea Pig Blood Shock movie. Uh, They actually have been picked up for Texas Frightmares, and they're going to play at the film festival there. So congratulations to them. Wanted to give them a quick shout-out. So, ladies, we will talk about all this stuff in two weeks. In two weeks, on March 15th, we are going to have Sarah Trost on on the second half of the show. She's going to talk about the FP being on Project Runway. And, of course, because we're going to proceed it with clothes porn and our favorite costume designs and stuff from movies and, and television. Um, she'll get to talk. We'll ask her about her favorite influences as well. Uh, so I'm so excited to bring you that one. And, and she says she's not interesting. That the, I can't believe anybody that has done such amazing things would think they're not an interesting person because absolutely she's interesting and I'm so elated to have her on, ladies. So read up. You got homework to do, ladies. You got to at least watch the FP Mom. before the show. Uh, at least, okay. at least the F, at least the FP. Um, superheroes must die, Queenie. You'll like that one. It's like superheroes cross okay. the saw. So you would actually like right that on. one. And I've actually that backed the sequel. So, yeah, it, it, it's really cool. And you'll love the superhero aesthetics that she designs. It's really nice. And I will make sure, because I have never actually seen Laid to Rest in Chrome Skull, that I'll get those movies in, too, before we see her next week. So please, thank you again. I will want to thank our super fans, David Austin and new super fan John Miller, uh, for calling in. I want to thank my guests. Christopher Jean Moore of, of uh, with Knob Goblins and Durane, uh, Deranged. Go see his movies. Um, they're pretty good. And I want to thank 
Mr. Khan for granting us the test passes. So thank you there. Thank you. And thank you, you, of course, to Jamie Duval for Movie Geeks United for being on our show again. And and I always thank him because he's been one of my biggest supporters behind the scenes. So once again, thank you, Jamie. And thank you to my sexy witches, Queenie and Aaron. Once again, March 15th is when we're coming back on the air. Then I'll go on hiatus. And then in April, we come back and we're at two shows a month throughout until the end of the season. So we'll be kicking it in full gear. Lots of great things coming up the pipe. We have Bloody Billy Palm to talk about Circus of the Dead. We have uh, a vintage amusement parks episode. And we have all, and we might have a few other surprises along the way as well. Okay. And so, so please stay tuned for Archivist Fest on Sexy Witches. Goodwill Hunting and Blessed Be. We're going to leave tonight on with Flight of the Valkyries. I wanted to end with, to put a note on this whole diversity racist thing that we dealt with with the Oscars this year by Flight of the Concords and I'll Be the Racist Dragon. So once again, thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Good film hunting and blessed be. Marmalade forest, forest between the make-believe trees. In a cottage chief cottage lives Albie. 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 The racist dragon. <laughs> Part six. And so all of the villagers chased Albie, the racist dragon to a very cold, very scary cave. And it was so cold and so scary in there that Albie began to cry dragon tears. Which, as we all know, turn into jelly beans. Anyway, at that moment, he felt a tiny little hand rest upon his tail, and he turned around, and who should that little hand belong to? but the badly burnt Albanian boy from the day before. <laughs> what are you doing here? I thought I killed you yesterday, grumbled Albie quite racistly. <laughs> no, Albie, you didn't kill me with your dragon flames. I crawled to safety, but you did leave me very badly disfigured, <laughs> laughed the boy. <laughs> I'm crying because all of those horrible villagers chased me into the scary cave. I think it's because I'm so racist. Get your hand off my tail, you'll make it dirty. No, Albie, it's not because of your racism that they chased you here. They chased me here, too, when I became all disfigured like this. They just don't like you and I. Because, well... Because we're different to them. (laughs) And that made Albie cry a single tear, which turned into a jelly bean, all the colors of the rainbow. 
and suddenly he wasn't racist anymore. So they sat in the cave and ate bubblegum pie. Yum! How they the racist. Well, not anymore. Dragon.